Welcome to another episode of Ask Danny. Well, I tell you, over the years, I have been asked thousands of home improvement questions. So each week here on Ask Danny, I'll bring in one of my expert friends and we'll tackle some of your questions, share a few tips, and also tell you a few entertaining stories to help you out with your project. So remember, next time you have a question, Ask Danny. This week, my guest is Jeremy Moore with Lighthouse Electrical Design, and uh, I've worked with Jeremy a lot of times on different projects, worked with his father for many, many years. Jeremy, thanks for sitting down with me to talk a little bit about electrical. Hey, Danny. How are you, man? Yeah, glad to glad to be with you and glad to talk about this. You know, we get a lot of calls about, you know, a lot of questions about electrical. And, of course, so many of them are things that, wow, you just got to have that master electrician out there to do a little troubleshooting. Man, that's uh, in the residential world, other than the new work that you do, both in commercial and residential. Uh, troubleshooting is one of those things uh, that, that that's, that's part of your life. You got to kind of go down to step one, step two, step Step three, uh, that really takes a lot of experience to figure out a lot of issues that homeowners may have in their houses, right? It does. It really does. And uh, with troubleshooting, the biggest thing right off the bat that I teach my guys and that I've just learned through the uh, through hard lessons over the years is to really listen to your customer. Uh, they know their house well. If they've lived there a while, they can, you know, if they're observant, they can tell you some things that might tip you off as to where to start. That way you're not, you know, spending, wasting time where it shouldn't be spent. And uh, that's probably the biggest thing right off the bat. And then, you know, and then to just kind of take your time and to uh, to just go through with a system, you know, I have a systematic approach when we come in, you know, where do we start and then kind of follow that, that approach, you know, once mm-hmm. you listen to the customer. Well, it's like you and I were talking um, not long ago that I've got some kind of uh, problem with um, some of my, my, like my front gate, um, opener and lights, uh, it keeps flipping the breaker. Well, that also affects things in my little storage building, my toy barn out there, but I can't quite figure out if it's, uh, you know, when does it happen? Cause it won't happen for six or seven weeks. Then all of a sudden it happens every few days and whether it's a moisture thing or whatever, that's why, I, as, as you and I talk that I'm waiting for a few more symptoms to, to, uh, to write down and to share with you when you come out to figure out what it is, because, uh, without a few of that, a little bit of history behind it, boy, you're really starting uh, from from scratch and really trying to figure out. And there can be so many things from bad breakers to jet, bad um, GFCIs to uh, a nick, a nick and things. You know, sometimes you, I, I know I've heard you say with homeowners, well, have you done any work out in your yard? And all of a sudden you see that look on their face about that brand new fence that they put up. And, well, maybe I nicked that wire Boy, you really have to dig in to figure out what's going on with some of these situations. You do, man, exactly. I mean, uh, it's just when you do service work, it's wild, all the different scenarios. Uh, you just reminded me we had one one time where a, uh, a a guy was having a problem with, like, I think it was a bedroom or hallway, kept, you know, tripping the breaker. And come to find out, you know, long story short, the when they had put a new door in, they're shooting finish nails through the trim. They had just mm. barely gotten into this wire, and every time, you know, every so often when they would slam this door, and, man, it took a while to find something like that. Like, intermittent problems are really difficult. You know, sometimes you just, you know, you got to keep going at them. Uh, like, with your uh, with your issue at your house, it, it does sound like maybe a moisture problem. It could, uh, it's like a variety of things. Sometimes you can actually put, like, a heavy load onto a circuit. Like, let's say your gate opener only pulls, like, 
maybe a quarter of an amp or something, just trickle charging that battery. You go mm-hmm. ahead and put something heavy on it, like a uh, like a large drill that maybe pulls 12 or 15 amps, and see if you can mm-hmm. really get that problem to show up or or maybe break altogether, and then it's easier to find. Oh, I got you. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, we'll be uh, performing that task here pretty soon. <laughs> figure figure it out yeah. right now. So so far, so good. Now, um, when we talk about um, safety and when you're talking about, you know, a situation where someone nailed a nail in and hit a wire um, accidentally, well, that's where some of the safety things, uh, of course, the, the ground fault circuit interrupters have been around a, a long, long time. And um, they're designed, uh, as I understand, really to provide a safe operation in certain outdoor or possible moisture-prone um, areas. I guess that's really the, the main purpose of a GFCI? Yeah, it's really uh, for personal protection. So if, real quickly, like a breaker provides overcurrent protection, like just the breaker on your house. So if it's a 20-amp mm-hmm. breaker, it'll provide up to 20 amps of power. Um, it doesn't care what it's providing that to. Like if it's going through your body, as long as you're not drawing over 20 amps for a length of time, it's just going to continue to provide it. Where the mm-hmm. GFI comes in is you've got two wires coming in the back of the GFI that actually feed it. You've got a black and a white wire, uh, one being ungrounded and one being grounded. What's on the ungrounded, the hot wire, so to speak, if there's five amps on it, then there should be five amps on the white wire, on the neutral wires that some people would call it. So where that thing comes in, if it senses an imbalance, like say there's five amps on the black and only four and a half on the white, it knows where did that half amp go. It went to a ground fault at some point, either in the mm-hmm. piece of equipment or through a, a person or a, you know something like that. So you'll typically see them around uh, anywhere outdoors, your kitchens, your bathrooms, and anything uh, in that area. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's one of the key things. If you're trying to do any electrical work yourself, man, you need to know these things because it's just it's not a matter of just getting the appliance to work. It's getting it to work safely for you and whoever owns the house in the future. So that's why a lot of times it's better just to let the master electrician take care of things because it ends up being a, a lot cheaper and more important than anything, a lot safer than before. Um, Jeremy, let's talk about um, the revolution of LED bulbs. Man, oh man, uh, I remember getting the first LED bulb that was sent to my office for me to consider, and we had heard a little bit about them. This was several years ago, and I'm looking at it, and okay, well, it doesn't look that much different and that kind of thing, and it was, you know, for like a floodlight outside and, you know, a little bit different here and there, and so I'm reading all of the advantages of it and what is an LED. You know, again, this was many years ago, so I was... um, saw on the uh, press release on it where, you know, a PR agent had sent it to me and everything, suggested retail price, $65. Well, wait a minute. Maybe they missed a decibel on there and they meant $6.50. Nope. It was $65 for that bulb. Of course, they've come, they've come down considerably and they are mainstream now. But what's your take on the overall thing from the standpoint of the advantage of LED bulbs, the obsolescence of incandescence? Uh, how do you feel about them overall? Because you've seen incandescence and now you're seeing LEDs pretty much mainstream. What's your overall thought about the whole process? Uh, yeah, in a nutshell, man, it's uh, you get what you pay for, and uh, 
And, you know, I like to stick with uh, common brands that people are familiar with, like, uh, you know, I don't want to name off any, but just some that you know have been around and have a track record of standing behind their product. I try to mm-hmm. buy local because a lot of people, when they're going for LED, they're going for that longevity of life plus the, you know, the uh, power savings and the money on that. But as far as the LED bulbs, I mean, they are far and away better than incandescent. They run cooler. They use probably depending on the efficiency of them, a quarter of the power than an incandescent. However, uh, it's the Wild West out there, man, on the uh, available products. I mean, I've tried so many, and and some are good and some are not, and that's the advantage of using somebody like a contractor, somebody that's familiar. They've already gone through that you know, that process, and, like, I have brands that I trust, and, and that's what I give to my customers to use. Um, so, because it's like if you read on the packaging, you might see like this bulb is a whole lot cheaper than this one. They're the same output and color and all that. But if you get to reading the fine print about like uh, the projected hours of life, it'll be totally different. I mean, I've seen LED bulbs with a 2000 life hour on them. I mean, mm. like, you know, some cheapos that the like right. apartments may use or something. So, you mm-hmm. really got to compare apples to apples when you're looking at that LED stuff. That's exactly right. You know, um, sticking with the name brands that have been around, because there's a lot of those imports that are just being, you know, that are flooding into the market. So uh, good advice from that standpoint, getting a good recommendation from an electrician that uh, has worked with it and knows if it's going to work like it should. Now, you know, recently uh, on a kitchen renovation on the Today's Homeowner Television show, we installed some recess lights. And boy, that's where the LEDs have really changed things up for you guys in a good way. Instead of those big arms and that big housing and that can really, you know, cause you to have to cut a really big hole real accurate. Uh, I'm sure you like the LED recess lights now more than you did those old housings. Oh, man, we love them. We love them. Uh, we call them wafer lights, uh, if that's the ones you're referring to, the new ones that are like a half-inch thick. Yeah, have uh, a, exactly. Uh, have yeah. a little junction box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, we love those things. And they've even come along in the past. Uh, you know, they didn't come in they, they came in different colors, but now they've got a dip switch on them that you can select different colors. So no matter what situation you're getting into, you know, it'll fit that situation. But the biggest advantage of them is I can't tell you how many times we were trying to center a cabinet or center a hallway. And, you know, there goes a joist or a beam right down the middle yeah. and it's an issue. Yeah. And, uh, mm-hmm. man, that's, that's the biggest thing. You can give people what they want, you know, right where they want it. So. And, and the overall aspect of, um, you know, the, the regular housings, you'd have, you know, a gap around them, even though the trim would cover it. So aesthetically, it looked good, but still it's leaking air in or out of the attic. So, you know, you can seal up those, you know, the LED fixtures a lot better. So that's definitely made a big difference there. So, so Jeremy, you know, we have all kinds of um, homeowners that listen to our podcast, and some are the avid do-it-yourselfers. Some are more just hire it done for me. But there's also that breed of man that's in between there that wants to do a little bit of the work themselves. <laughs> and and a lot of times people in a kitchen or bathroom remodeling, they'll want to do the demolition themselves and, you know, get those cabinets out. Maybe they're repurposing out in the garage or selling them online or whatever to kind of recycle and upcycle those type of uh, uh, things. But what kind of caution would you give people, whether it's a kitchen or bath, when they're starting to remove everything because you got to get into a little bit of electrical when you're doing that? What are some ways to point people to some safe ways of doing this? Yeah, so where I would kind of start with, where we do start with on a job is, first off, you know, just 
testing and making sure everything that you've got originally works the way it's supposed to. Like, you know, you make sure you're not going in with problems. And then the second thing to do would be to go ahead and kind of label everything in that general area in your panel or confirm that, that it's correct already. And, uh, and then as you're tearing into those things, you know, what I like to do is just turn off power where we think we don't need it anyway. Like if you're, say, demo in your whole kitchen, well, you know, run a couple cords into there from the living room or something and then turn off the walls that you're actually working on. You know? And that way, uh, you know, if you do get into something, you'll be safe. And then always just, you know, assume that there is something behind the wall. That's what, I, you know, our guys, that's what we do is, uh, you know, you try to put the sawzall blade as just as minimal into the wall as you can. You don't want to go plunge it four inches in the wall. Bad things are coming your way. You yeah. Know? So that, yeah. Would, that would be where I would start. I've been there. Unfortunately, I've been there and uh, cut into a few things like that. I, you know, um, my buddy Joe Truini gave me a great idea a while back. Is um, he has a sawzall blade that he's cut in half to where the only projection on it is about an inch. So when you're cutting that half-inch drywall to three-quarter-inch drywall, you're not getting – still have a chance to nick that wire, so you do have to be careful on that. But at least um, it minimizes that part of it a little bit. Hey, Jeremy, another a question we get a lot about is there's millions of homes out there with aluminum wiring. And uh, there's a stigma there that, you know, if you have an aluminum – um, a house that's wired in aluminum, it's just not good. You've got to replace all of it. Uh, you've been out there working with a lot of aluminum, a lot of copper over the years. What's your opinion on a house that has aluminum in it? Is there any real big concern there to worry about it that requires replacement? Or what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, and when we say aluminum, you know, mostly what people are referring to is like the, the smaller branch circuits, like your lighting uh, circuits and your uh, receptacles. A lot of houses will have aluminum as far as uh, like the sub feed and and things like that. So I just want to uh, you mm-hmm. know put that out there. Mm-hmm. As far as uh, an aluminum in homes, it is uh, is something that's going to be phased out eventually, and I think that'll be phased out by uh, banks and insurance companies. I do a lot of multifamily dwelling and a mm-hmm. lot of aluminum uh, mitigation, and mm-hmm. that's the way I see it going. You know, a lot of a lot of places are having a hard time securing financing or securing um, insurance on properties that are mainly aluminum or completely aluminum just due to the problems with it. Um, this is my advice on people with aluminum house. Having aluminum in your home is not a reason to you know sell it immediately or anything, but it at some <laughs> point does have to be phased out. It's kind of like the knob and tube wire from you know the team oh, yeah. way mm-hmm. back in the prehistoric era of Mm-hmm. Uh, electrical, so to speak. So it's going to have to be phased out over time. In the meantime, what I tell people is do not try to mess with aluminum wire on your own. It's, it's, there's so many different products that are required now, and you've really got to make sure you strip it out gently. You don't over-tighten it, under-tighten it, use all the correct things, and I suggest people stay away from it. Uh, one of the biggest things I see as a problem is people hooking aluminum directly to copperated only outlets i've seen mm-hmm. that cause problems mm-hmm. within six months like you'll have a remodel and mm-hmm. they'll be oh you know i've got a couple outlets that don't work and you go over there and they're burn up especially on something with a large load like a microwave or something like that so as far as the do-it-yourselfers i would say on the aluminum i would say to you know hire your professional and there again one with a good background and familiar with aluminum wire some guys don't really deal with it a lot you get some people that 
just wire homes for a living, like new stuff and all they work mm-hmm. around is copper. Mm-hmm. You know, they may not be familiar. You know, they've got new products like Alumicons. Um, they're uh, required to convert the connection from aluminum to copper. But those things are like $4 a piece. So a lot of people do it the wrong way due to cost. You know, it might cost $15 just to do one outlet, mm-hmm. you know, the right mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. So what I tell people is as you're remodeling, you know, if you're thinking about doing kind of remodeling in stages of your home or heavy remodeling, try to rewire as you go. You know, you don't want to wait till after you've, you know, put that backsplash in the kitchen to then worry about it. You know, you kind of want to, you know, tackle it as you can. So get somebody you can work with and and uh, and do that that route. Yeah, good, good, good point. Good advice, and 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 also what you mentioned there is something that we echo a lot when you're talking about hiring anybody to come into your home, whether it's an electrician or whoever. Make sure they routinely do the kind of work that you need to have done, because you know a guy that does only a commercial work and working with conduit all the time probably not the guy to help you with your remodeling project. So that's always a big caution. We're talking to Jeremy Moore. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, if you have a question about your home or just need a little help with the project, head over to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Use the form there to send photos, share what you're working on, and ask us any question at all. Hey, Jeremy, we talked earlier about the GFCI breaker and how important they are. But, you know, I started thinking, um, you know, uh, a lot of times you have a breaker GFCI versus an outlet um, ground fault circuit interrupter is one better than the other, and why would sometimes they use a breaker over the outlet GFCI? Um, some are better than others. Like sometimes a breaker has a more sensitive trip setting than a uh, than an outlet, but usually it's more to do with cost or convenience. Uh, the advantage of the breaker would be it GFI protects the entire circuit from the time it leaves the panel to the end use. The advantage of the outlet would be uh, it's, you know, probably $30 cheaper, and it's a lot easier to install, especially for a uh, for a uh, homeowner to, to work mm-hmm. with. Uh, putting in a new breaker for a homeowner, sometimes that'd be a little too much. Um, and you've got to watch on the GFIs. They've got a line and a load on the back of them. On the uh, outlets, this is one of the biggest things I make service calls on at apartment complexes and things with uh, people that don't quite understand it. The line mm-hmm. is your feed from the panel, and then they have another feature on them on the back, which is the load, and that's how you can protect other outlets. So a lot of times, like in a kitchen, you know, you'll you'll have a call where they've got two or three outlets that aren't working, and you know, just one faulty GFI, which starts at the beginning of the circuit, will cause everything following to, you know, to be out of power. So. Um, One's not really necessarily better than the other. It's just more what's more efficient for you when you're doing the install. Like on new houses, we've kind of gone to just putting GFCI and AFCI breakers in the panels and just putting mm-hmm. regular outlets mm-hmm. throughout the house. That mm-hmm. way, you know, when people have a problem, they're not trying to chase down a where's the GFI at behind the, the cookie jar. You know, <laughs> right. They can just always go right back to the panel and, and start from there. You know, so it, it in that way has an advantage. But Yeah, know. definitely. Definitely a good advantage. Well, well, this has been great. I tell you what, we could go on and on and on with all kind of electrical questions. So, hope hopefully you'll be able to drop back by and do another Ask Any podcast. How about a last little tidbit of advice for our podcast listeners right now pertaining to electrical? 
Yeah, let's uh, tell them how to reset a breaker. That that might save some people some money. Uh, anytime you're in the panel and uh, you're thinking, okay, maybe I've got a trip breaker, usually it'll either have an indicator on some of the brands like Square D or whatnot, but a lot of times it'll be kind of right in the middle between on and off. The way to reset a breaker is to flip it off and then back on. Um, sometimes they won't even show up as tripped. If you suspected that it's tripped, just turn it off and back on just for the, you know, just to try it. Mm -hmm. If it trips mm -hmm. immediately and trips again on you, it's time to call a professional. If it holds for you, you know, you want to, you know, kind of monitor it and see if you can, you know, trust what you're powering back up. Cause you know, sometimes you have a, a bad lightning storm and it throws some breakers or maybe you got, you know, you run the vacuum a little too hard with something else. Mm -hmm. So it's mm -hmm. not always an indicator of an issue, but if it trips again, it's time to call somebody in. Well, electrical and electricity is an extremely important part of the American home. Uh, you have to respect it. You have to be careful with it. Um, if you uh, are not um, very comfortable with it, it's definitely best to call a pro, and often that is the case. Jeremy Moore, we appreciate you being with us on this Ask Danny podcast, and hopefully we can do it again. Thanks for having me, Danny. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ask Danny. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. So I hope you'll take a moment to leave a review and follow this podcast. I also invite you to visit todayshomeowner.com slash ask where you can send me any photos, ask any question, and let me know what topic you would like to hear more about. So remember, next time you have a question, ask Danny.